0: As the tech industry makes the world smaller, business gets bigger. As your company grows, HSBC has the ability to scale with you with a vast global network made up of local expertise. Search HSBC Tech Industry to contact your local specialist.
1: Coming up on Equity, recapping the 2017 IPO market. Roku and Redfin were among this year's winners, but Snap and Blue Apron sputtered. So what's in store for 2018? Welcome to Equity. I'm TechCrunch's Katie Roof, joined by my colleague, Matthew Lindley. Yo. Crunch-based news editor-in-chief, Alex Wilhelm. Hey, hey, And our special guest today is Barrett Daniels, who's the CEO of Next Step Advisory Services, which basically means he's an IPO expert.
2: Hello. Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> and in this room, he's as close to a rock star as we've had yet, actually, in terms <laughs> well, of you, you you knowing the stuff that we actually care about. Like, right. He's, that,
1: he, he's an IPO advisor, right? Mm-hmm. Is that yes. the best way to describe yes, what you do? Yes, that's
0: perfect. Alex. What was supposed to happen in 2017? So looking at this year, I'm kind of curious how it lines up with prior predictions that we had all either written or read as we went into 2017. Because if I recall correctly, there was a bit of optimism in the market that 2017 could be the year in which the unicorn IPO became not just an occasional thing or a sporadic event, but a chronic occurrence. And... Results were kind of okay, but how do we think that the year kind of lines up against prior expectations before 2017 uh, kicked off?
2: Well, I definitely don't think it shaped up to what we were hoping for, right? Like, um, and again, as we were just talking, there was a, a list uh, that we you and I talked about a year ago this time, and a list of potential say, IPOs. Yes. What's it, on that list? <laughs> underperformed, right? So I'll just start from the, the top Snap for sure went, right? But Palantir, Spotify, Vice, Pinterest, Uber, dd Slack, Dropbox, WeWork. Garbage, right? Garbage. <laughs> None of this got out. And I'll even go one better. There's a list for expected 2015 IPOs. Oh, do right? tell! Uh-oh. So this Uh-oh. is the same time, what, three years ago now? Airbnb, <laughs> Box, they went, okay? Dropbox, no. GoDaddy, they went. Palantir, Pinterest, Snapchat, Spotify, Square, they went Stripe, Uber, Vice.
1: <laughs> Who, who's, wait, whose predictions list was this?
2: Um, this was uh, Jeremy something or another. I don't know. It like it,
1: it's okay. Everyone like got everything wrong. I mean, that's typical. <laughs> Having been covering IPS for almost six years now, I've noticed that every single year... Everyone who works in the IPO business says that the next year is going to be stellar and that all those companies are finally going to go through. Everything is looking up. But I've realized there's a strategy here because it's all about the perception that the IPO window is open. And so if they pretend like the IPO window is open, then maybe they'll convince some of those IPOs to go through. So
0: it's kind of the greater fool theory in a certain degree.
1: I don't know. Ba- ba- yeah. that's what I'm so that's basically, like, yeah. no matter why, th- a lot of the IPO experts will tell you it's going to be a huge year. Uh, whether that's true is a separate question. This year was mediocre at best. I would say it was actually worse than mediocre uh snap was the first ip of the year and that was in march so january and february we didn't see any and partly because of app selling at the last minute and that was actually a good scenario for them but uh but yeah we didn't see the unicorns for the most part going public this year uh it, overall though a lot of them did fairly well there were some didn't do well we'll get to that later but what were some of the successes this year i know alex has a chart that yeah, he follows so
0: religiously. We will we'll put a link to the public version of this in the uh, the podcast notes. Um, but here are some of the highlights of firms that I've done very well kind of going in alphabetical order. Appian is up 118% from its 2017 IPO price. I'm going to get this wrong. Altrix Altrix tricks. All tricks. Not Alteryx, by the way. All tricks. But
1: it looks like Alteryx. It
0: really does. Is up 91%. Uh, Carvana is up 35%. Okta's up 50 Redfin's up 75
1: And by the time you listen to this podcast next week, it's all going to be wrong. We taped yeah. early because of the holidays. But, you know, for the most part.
0: Roku's up 304.14%. Everything Fox will be ash, and
1: Bitcoin what? will
0: be up 9,000%. Um, <laughs> but,
1: but Roku be clear, and Redfin have The, done list, well, yeah. the
0: list goes on. CarGuru is up 94%. forescott's up 38 Eight percent Alter, not uh 74%. And finally, Singrid up 43% before you get to Stitch Fix and SailPoint. So there are a lot of big winners and some clunkers, but at least some of the larger companies have done well post-IPO.
2: And, you know, a, a common theme amongst those is that those aren't the huge names, right? Those are the ones that actually had a, a pretty good fundamental business going into it. And um, and the valuations were reasonable, and with IPOs, that's key. So, and, and I think that's where Snap had a serious problem, and that that valuation was not based on anything fundamental. It was just based on who, market who momentum, knows, right? Yeah, the totally. Stock
1: market doesn't like the hype. They're not buying the the VC hype, or a lot nope. of the consumer ones. Maybe they're skeptical. On. And that's
2: a new phenomenon this year. I mean, literally, I would say coming into this year, if you had. This crazy gr- revenue growth and um, exciting brand recognition, that was the recipe for a very successful IPO, but th- it's changed. The public investors have become much smarter and um, way more sophisticated, and they're able to really dig into these things and better slice and dice this, and they're making really good decisions.
1: Well, yeah, in fairness to Snap, uh, Facebook didn't go well five years ago, and it's done really, really well since then.
3: Hey, Snap is a camera company, not a
0: social <laughs> network. Also- All oh, right,
1: totally different category. What am I thinking? As we have
0: pointed out on the show a couple of times, Facebook had $1 billion in trailing gap, income, gap net income, and Snap had two quarters of gross margin positive revenue which is the other side of the financial health spectrum. But to return to the point about... I'm
1: by no means predicting that Snap is going to turn into Facebook, by the way.
0: but You you heard here first. Snap is the next Facebook. (laughs) Kane, you said it. Um, I want to turn back the clock a little bit to March of 2016, because I wrote something, sorry, called The Coming IPO Traffic Jam, discussing the unicorn uh, backup that we all understand very well now. And... There were about 150 unicorns at the time, and there are now, according to the TechCrunch uh, Unicorn Leaderboard, 269. So whatever problem we had in March 2016 looking at the IPO market that we did not solve in 2017, it's now become exacerbated and even more swollen, if you will. And so I'm kind of curious. eventually, Bunch what of chickens. Bunch of chickens. You chick? Is it the coop? Is the IPO window the coop for the chickens? I don't get the analogy.
1: Well, they're afraid to Never, go public, yeah. so oh, they're, they're, just, out. they're just chicken out. Oh. They chickened out. Dang it! Because they're unicorns, they have really high valuation. I mean, by the old standards, the dot com days before Alex was born, um, you used to go public earlier in <laughs> yeah. your trajectory when you had enough revenue. Or actually, frankly, you could go public without revenue back then, just about. Uh, but you would, you would go public. And these days, they're waiting for ever and ever and ever until they're overvalued and then no one wants them when they hit the stock market, or at least some of these companies thats what's well, happening.
2: So the IPO world has changed drastically in the last four or five years. And um, a huge part of that is that they just have so much cash that there's no real need to go anymore. And there's so much cash out there. And so, um, uh, you know, back in the day, it's almost been forgotten, but IPOs were a capital raising event. Now it's almost just uh, something that they have to do. So-
0: Kind of a graduation point as opposed to actual cash-raising event. When did that change? Yeah. Did that like, last three years?
2: Uh, I'd say probably four or five years ago, to be honest. Around when the Jobs Act came, right? Things started to shift. This is when companies really started to stay private just forever and ever. And, you know, and I get it, too. If I put myself in the shoes of these CEOs and these decision-makers um, – Being public is much harder than being a private company. It's just
0: fact. As Box has learned repeatedly. Mm -hmm. I mean, that company's been repriced three or four times by the public markets, even though it's been pretty consistent on the performance side, Mm -hmm. being buffeted around by external trends that don't really actually impact its bottom line. Alex loves Box. I, mm. I enjoy watching Box's performance as a public company. I love Box. Box is a great company. There's great people. Over. That's Aaron not Lovey's me talking. Great. That's Aaron, him talking. Aaron,
1: no, Aaron, Aaron Lovey's great. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I think this year we didn't see as many as we should have, given the number of unicorns. But besides the really high-profile disasters like Snap and Blue Apron, actually most of them did pretty well. Mm-hmm. So maybe – Maybe these companies should take a look at that and think, "Okay, next year is the time. I hope so, because I want something to talk about
2: well, and I think they are right I think the the big ones are taking the time to grow into their valuations, and since they have enough money, there's no real need to rush it and so um and, and I think I think it's pretty common knowledge that the private valuation space is pretty insane at the moment. And so um, it's going to take a little while for some of these companies to, to sort that out and to get to the right place.
1: But, you know, from a seller perspective, that's great if they go public once they've hit their valuation and they can sell their shares at the the valuation. But from the public investor buyer Perspective—that's terrible because that means the growth is already tapped out. So that's the problem that we've been seeing: is that a lot of these public investors are are a little skeptical of some of these really high valued companies that that got overvalued because there is no room for growth.
0: Well, what what I do like to see is how, at least in this year's IPO crop, the old uh, method still works. So MuleSoft, when they went public, was kind of a standard enterprise software play that lost money but was growing quickly. I think it passed the rule of forty, and it's done. It's up thirty percent just flat out like so that that stuff still works it's companies that wanted to go kind of beyond traditional models for uh, so enterprise software companies to pick one niche that are caught up in this. Like Snap, for example, tried to chart its own course and kind of lost.
2: Yep, they're not the ones people want to see, though, right? Everybody wants to see the big names, the the Airbnbs and the Ubers and the Lyfts and those guys.
0: So, well, but, Uber but now discloses its right. financials every quarter, anyways, to Axios. So, like, it's kind of nice we get to see what they do. It's so Bloomberg. Wait, or oh, uh, well, Dan Primack and then Eric Newcomer. Okay, We're...
1: there you go. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, so. We had some that went really well. Snap didn't go well. Blue Apron, though, I think that really has to take the cake as, as the worst IPO of the year. I mean, Alex has the official stats right there in front of him. But, oh. but I'm going to guess that Blue Apron was either the worst or close to the worst this year. Because uh, it went public at $10 a share, which was, like, way below their range. And now... Now, okay, okay, so this Google's is actually four dollars and forty-five cents. <laughs> four dollars. Oh, okay. And at one point, it was even below three. So it's it's been better since they got a new CEO. They promoted their COO to CEO. But uh, yeah, for the most part, it's been really, really sad for
0: Bluebird. What ben. is the second worst performing 2017 t- U.S. listed tech IPO?
1: Let me guess. Tintry?
0: Uh Let me scroll. No, Tintry has actually rebounded a little bit. Uh, the second worst US listed 2017 tech IPO is Net Shoes.
1: Oh, okay, off 5361 yes, percent That was the Brazil e commerce company, I believe. Yep. I talked to their CEO briefly, but yeah, I mean, I don't know enough about the Brazil e commerce market to weigh in here. But I just wanted
0: to point it out because Blue Apron's down 55.5%. They're off 53.6%. they are all they're both. Not doing well. So I, I don't want to just hand the pile of crap crown to well, Blue I mean, Apron we also, I mean, without slogging the other as well.
3: Yeah, the Blue Apron IPO is an interesting one just because they just got like totally wrecked by Amazon in the middle of the process as well. So if they actually ended up pricing at whatever it was, $16, 18 and went public, oof, that would look quite a bit different than it does now. Yeah,
0: and then ironically, HelloFresh, a competitor to them that went public quite recently, we talked about it on the show, is actually up 17% from its IPO price.
2: So there you go. I mean, tale of two cities. Well, I So Blue Apron is arguably one of the worst IPOs ever. I mean, really. I mean, <laughs> seriously. There's, ouch. ouch! It's not this year. The, the way the process went, like the way they slashed the price, and then it, it, almost always you pull out when that happens, right? It's If it's going that bad, you can see some of the writing on the wall. You know, take a step back. I think it's really curious that they just continued to forge ahead, and it just continued. So, um, I, I, I think— um, well, Why did they forge ahead? If you had a guess— I think they needed money. Okay. I, I don't think they— they had many options. And so I I don't know blue apron, so um you know, I'm I'm guessing here, but just based on what we all saw, that would seem like the obvious
1: I think that's part of it. But also Amazon announced that they were buying Mm -hmm. Whole Foods and they were already on their investor roadshow. And so when you back out during the investor roadshow, it's hard to recover from that because that's basically acknowledging that you're threatened by it. So I actually don't know if Blue Apron really had an option at that point. I think it was too late. They were already in the process. And so uh, you just can't really back down. But I don't know. I mean, like it's hard to say it could have gone any worse. So, I mean, (laughs) maybe they should have waited but I can understand why they didn't what I also can understand from their perspective is that Whole Foods is totally different than Blue Apron I mean there's a lot of food businesses out there in the world uh doesn't mean that that whole foods is gonna send out quality cooking kits that rival blue apron but at the end of the day it was it was a huge problem for the stock and what i think was a more concerning problem is that they just didn't have good customer retention Mm -hmm. and uh, Investors saw through that.
2: And I think that's another um, indication of the public investment community just getting a lot smarter and seeing through that. Blue Apron had a really good name. They were the leader in that space. They had revenue growth, really good revenue growth. And the people saw through it. And they, and they had a history of profitability. Yeah. Oops. I mean, really, I've, I've really been impressed with this turnaround, this pendulum swing where the, the public investment community really used to be the dumb money. And now it's not. It's really not. It's are you almost like the, the, s- the private money? Oh, it's are you, you calling dumb
1: VC's dumb money? <laughs> see, that's <laughs> said it right here, no, no. Barrett Daniels. <laughs> no. VC's and, uh, are dumb are you, money. And why don't you
2: why don't you list out your Twitter account right now I, so it, people it, can it's find not you? That <laughs> quote. But. No, I'm definitely not. But maybe SoftBank is getting a little um, crazy with their money. I see. So.
1: Are they really a VC though? Does no. that count? No. What, what are they? We, we actually no. had a long, what is
0: SoftBank? We had a long debate about how to classify the Vision Fund because we are about to do our Q4 annual, you know, venture capital, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the question was, where do you put the Vision Fund? It was a really interesting conversation to yeah. have.
2: Yeah, I have no idea. But I, I don't think VCs are dumb. In fact, the, the ones I know are, like, crazy smart, like, hard-to-talk-to-people smart. The, the ones they that, all
0: went to Stanford. He's actively back, backpedaling in no, his chair right no, now. No, if he but watches but I do legs. think
2: FOMO's real, right? And I do think that they have had to really try and get out in front of the game and,
0: and just try and keep up with the Joneses. So what is the worst IPO in the tech world of 2017, in your view? Well, well. Blue blue apron. Apron. Well, I I saw, mean, aside from okay. Blue Apron. Second worst. Yes, second I'm say second worst. Well, yeah,
1: which ones, which yeah. ones did you think were really disappointed? Yeah, I, Or the one
0: you just hated the most for no reason? Well,
1: acting. no. I mean, it's got to be Snap, <laughs> right? Because Snap
2: is the one that, that set the groundwork for the rest of the year. I really do think 17 could have been a really exciting year. But I think it scared a lot of people away. Maybe not scared away, but it opened their eyes that the public's not going to buy into their their stuff anymore, that they really do need to provide some legitimate numbers and, and to prove out their valuation. So I think that's what disappointed me the most.
3: I mean, the, we had been talking about that. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I'm
1: good. Sorry.
3: No, I was
1: like going to shift it forward to 2018. But if you have more to say, on 2017, uh, go ahead.
3: No, I was I was going to say, I mean, like we talked we've talked a little bit about before about how, you know, Blue Apron went public and it had these like you know stellar revenue numbers and Stitchfix when public and their revenue numbers also also look good but i mean if you go dial back to snap and it was like okay yeah it's a business that's growing really fast but like what are we actually supposed to be looking at what what's the metric that actually is the thing that we should be defining this company by right is it the MAU is it the revenue or whatever and it turned out that like Snap's growth was like totally tepid and that story didn't play out as, as everyone hoped and then they had to like spend all of their money on Google Cloud or AWS or whatever it was right well
1: they had decelerating user growth yeah. and, and as I have mentioned before on the show it's not just about growth VCs are focused on growth but like the stock market is focused on the rate of growth and the pace of growth and that was a problem for Snap so um, and ever since it, in Instagram copied their stories. It's yeah. been a problem for well, them. It's they're like next they're...
3: year's it's like next year's revenue is usually what companies are judged on, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: But I mean, Snap
2: had a couple of, of unique issues. Um in particular the one that stuck out to me was negative gross margins. Like, that was I was that blown seems like away. A problem. <laughs> it's so yeah. close to their
0: IPO. This was in yeah. their S1. Mm-hmm. This wasn't like their second month in business. Right. And so that
2: was shocking when those financials dropped. I just couldn't even believe it. Um, and then, my God, like IPO 101 is you don't miss your first quarter. Like you don't. Like that, you make sure you have it in the bag or you don't go. And for them to go out and just lay an egg in Q1 was unbelievable
1: interestingly so so we've broken some ipos this year but snap and blue apron were the two that i heard rumblings about where i was like no that's crazy they're not ready and i was just convinced i was like no these people don't know what they're talking about of course they're not about to ipo and then they did (laughs) and so i was wrong that they were about to ipo but i guess i was right that they weren't ready to ipo
0: so well what's interesting is about how it unprepared they were how much ground they've given up on the snap side is that even now at 1577 a share so down from like what 2944 which is their all-time high they're still trading a price sales trailing multiple of 27 blue apron has a price sales of less than one and i think Stitch Fix is like 2.4 2.5 somewhere in there so even though we're we're correct in saying they've been cut down to size quote quote investors are still valuing snap very highly on a per dollar revenue basis also but. the same as twitter uh, well, I yeah. can look it up. So, so snap, snap
3: is currently at eighteen point around nineteen billion, and Twitter is currently at eighteen point six billion.
0: I would rather own Twitter right now than Snap. Well, so I've been hating on. But
1: snap. you're also a Twitter addict. <laughs> Sure. Don't make
0: fun of my addiction. Twitter is, yeah. Twitter is
3: valued based off of next year's followers instead addiction, of next year. you know, it's you, you know. According, mental health problem.
1: according to Recode today, if you left your phone on a deserted, oh, no, sorry, according to Recode today, if you were stranded on a deserted island and you're a teenager, you would rather be on Snap. Than on other social media. So there's that.
2: Well, that's, I was gonna (laughs) say that. Like, I've been beaten on Snap, but, and that was mostly because the numbers and that the valuation today. But I have kids, I see how they use um, computers and iPads. It's different than us, they've grown up with touchscreen and that's how they work and that's kind of how snapchat works like you just you hit the screen until stuff starts happening and then you know it works and kids can figure these things out i i'm you know i gave my five-year-old one of those classic nintendos with the controller and he just was so frustrated he didn't know how to use it right he kept hitting the tv (laughs) trying to get the tv to work and this is how they this is how kids think so they're going to grow up with a snapchat kind of mind, So I actually think that if Snap uh, Snap can get out of their own way, there is a future for them. I just think the valuation is tricky at the moment.
1: A study says precisely, 44% of U.S. teens chose Snapchat as the one social network they would keep if trapped on a deserted island. We don't! Of 24%. 24% for Instagram and 14% for Facebook.
0: We don't so these, let those kids vote for a reason. Because they're stupid and they're wrong. And that's why we should not trust that poll. But
1: these days, if you're stranded on a deserted, deserted island, of course you'd have your cell phone, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, why wouldn't you have a cell phone on a deserted island?
0: Well, the palm trees are actually a cell phone antenna, you know? I don't, want anyway, to on any no, I don't want to discount the study or anything <laughs> and it was looking ahead to uh next year i hear it's going to be a big year for ipos once again well it, it, right so everybody i know
2: and everyone um in this space that i've talked to really really smart people people i respect people that seem to really know what they're talking about all agree like to an annoying degree right everybody does think that it's going to be a huge year and if if it's almost got me freaked out a little bit. Like, it can't possibly be as good as people.
0: Are there, are there sectors inside the tech world that they think are going to do better than others? Like, is enterprise going to be big? Is it going to be consumer? Is it going to be slow, low, mo? Is it going to be, you know, crypto kitties? What is it?
2: I, I, I'm not sure. I think it's across the board, generally. I mean, it just feels like the window's open combined with the timing of these companies having been on the bench for so long. Um, And, and, you know, it's getting to a point where people need to start cashing out of these things. Employees want to start getting some liquidity. liquidity. It just feels like it's just really building up to um, a potential
0: flood. But Let's
1: no try. Uber. Uber is not till 2019.
0: I don't think so. I mean,
1: they, they said so. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I just Dara to not to not lie about. Yeah, that.
1: Yeah, the new CEO Dara he Shahi. Thank he
0: you. said, yeah. <laughs>
1: nice. yes, he said that uh, to expect an IPO 18 to 36 months out. That was about two months ago, I think. Mm-hmm. So so uh, Uber's so 16 the table. to 34 months right.
0: out. Right, but I mean, yeah. next year we could see. Uh, Dropbox. We could see Airbnb. Uh, we're not going to see Vice, as we all know, because the media companies are not doing well. Uh, Pinterest apparently is never going to go public, because why bother? Bessemer doesn't need liquidity. Um, who else could <laughs> be <laughs> Well, I mean, not thought
1: they are never going to go public. I mean, I, obviously, you know.
0: Pinterest is like 48 years old at this point in time. Okay, but who else next year do what, we actually want to see? I think that all of these could get out
2: next year. Maybe what about DocuSign? Uber, right? but, Uh, about time yeah i mean they've been talked about for forever right so um i you know if i think um let's say last year went a little bit differently and let's say snap came out and really had a great ipo and it held up we might have seen some of these this year and so um i think some of them will play it by ear um i think all of them are preparing um you see uber they're they're clearly starting to get their stuff together and they're hiring people and it feels like they're um, getting a little less aggressive the way they do things with the the net accounting in particular, um, net revenue and things like that. So uh, you know, it feels like um, everybody's prepping and maybe just waiting for the time. And so um, I, I, again, I'm not quite as bullish as most, but I do think it could be a really nice year. Yeah.
3: Well,
1: Spotify's IP no.
2: Oh, don't uh,
3: get me. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, my like, I imagine the criteria for going public would be either we really, really, really need money, or like we're gonna look freaking awesome, and there's no reason not to go public and get everyone paid and make everyone rich. And there's like, I feel like there's companies that could fall into both those categories, right? I mean, like, you know, you know, bless their hearts, if Stripe ever went public, they would probably do extremely well. Although I'm sure like we're never gonna see them go public because I'm I don't I don't know if they actually have to. But there's like there's like a long, long list of of companies. That you know probably do need to raise capital. It's not entirely clear if they'll be able to get it on the private markets. Yeah, right?
0: SoftBank can't save them all. Oh. Or at least I hope not.
1: My prediction is I'm going to continue to break more IPO stories in 2018, so can't share too many details, but.
0: <laughs> did you just like humble brag your way past the question of that's what's right. going to happen next that's year? That's right.
1: That's right. I that's just can't give
0: minus too many five hints equity on points. things yeah. I'm
1: looking into, but. This is, this is equity.
3: We're not allowed to make uh, good bets <laughs> on, uh, no. on companies, so. That's, that's the, the running
0: the <laughs> running. We, rule. we
1: did break a number of them this year for equity i'm just gonna straight up brag this is not humble bragging so we, both of us broke stitch fix uh lindley and i uh we broke the news that one uh mongo db for scout uh there's been some others so yeah all, all
0: we broke was like the WeWork meetup thing They all crushed us <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah crunch yeah
0: what sucks. about we work what happens to them next year Alex. Oh, okay, can I just tell you my actual opinion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so their, their entire shtick was we're an asset-light business, right? So therefore they can take these properties, not deploy a whole bunch of capital, invest in them some, and then drive positive cash flow off them. I thought it was kind of a slick idea. We've all read their, um, the, the deck they put out that BuzzFeed got a hold of years ago. Somehow, apparently, they need to have all the money in the world. They've also provided so much secondary. One of their founders has bought, like, what, seven apartments? There was that tweet going around. I think they are unfocused, I don't think they have a good address uh, profitability. I think they've bought it into their own BS, and I don't think that they're properly valued. And SoftBank's money, that $4.4 billion PE round, is indicative of the failures of the market, not the success of their business. And so, so I'm very bearish about them in the long and short and medium term. Perfect IPO candidate then. Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> they're going out in Q2. <laughs> I mean, what's their valuation, $20 billion? And what do, what do they own? $20 billion asterisk SoftBank. All they own is in, what, a negative cash flow? I mean, I'm mean, i way over my skis here. I don't know if this is actually true. <laughs> Katie's going to fact check me later. I'm going to get a really great text message at 9.30 p.m. Um, I, I, what I'm
1: are not... you trying to say?
0: Alex, you can't lie on the show. Uh, no fake news. Hashtag fake news. Um, if I got that wrong, I apologize to the entire WeWork comms team. I'm just saying that they're not my number one candidate for 2018 debut. And that
2: valuation is, is pretty tricky, right? Wasn't there, there was that article going around with a quote from the CEO where he said something like it's Based on spirituality,
1: yeah, right. Yeah. So come he said on his now. valuation is based on spirituality. I, I think he was <laughs> kidding, but we're not sure. If he's not kidding, that's bad.
0: How do we feel about Lyft, though? I'm excited about Lyft. The big narrative has been do they go before Uber, but uh, I don't know if they're IPO ready uh, to go next year if their financials will be in good enough shape.
1: I mean, I think they're probably going to want to be Uber. That's important. You don't want. I mean, if let's say Uber goes public and it doesn't go well for some reason, then that would make it almost impossible for Lyft to go. So it's better to beat your competitor to this kind of thing uh, if you want to make sure that you actually go. What are you hearing?
2: <laughs> no, uh, I, no, I'm n- nothing more than you, right? I've heard that they're preparing, and I've heard that um, it would just seem obvious that they would want to get out in front of uh, of Uber for sure.
3: And this is how we backed our way into this week in Uber.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow we always end up where we don't want to be, which is back in the arms of Travis Kalanick. <laughs> Speaking of tricky valuations, right? Uber. $69, 70000000000 right? I mean, how do you defend that? I don't know. Yeah.
2: But what's happening? Aren't they doing some soft bank thing, right?
1: That? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right. So right. So right. Should we, should we, that we, that going? Should we just <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, please. Just okay. fade
0: the audio out into the music.
1: <laughs> Bye. Thanks for tuning in. Come back next week.
0: All right, everyone. I want to say a special thanks to our producer, TechCrunch's own Christopher Gates, our executive producer, Henry Picavet. Thank you to Katie Roof. Thank you to Matthew Lindley. And thank you to you for leaving us that five-star iTunes review. That's Equity. We'll see you all next Friday.